Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to read starting at verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now there's more about the beasts, which we've read together several times, but notice in verse 8 that it again says, full of eyes within. Uh, now over into chapter 5 at verse 8. Revelation 5, 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The last time I put to you the interpretation of the four beasts, that they are to symbolize the ministers of the word, the pastors that the Lord places in his congregations, to lead the saints in worshiping God. We had looked together at the various ways that um, the Bible describes that simple arrangement and relationship. Um, Jesus Christ being the great shepherd, takes men and makes them shepherds of his flock or pastors of his congregations. Um, God, being the great builder, um, takes ministers of the word and uh, laying the foundation of the truth about Jesus Christ and builds his congregation individually as living stones together as a temple for the Holy Spirit. And there's also... Um, the metaphor of the congregation being the body with Jesus Christ as the head. And, and, and these things are uh, metaphorical descriptions of this simple arrangement that God has made. Jesus Christ is our Lord. And he, he is taking care of us. He's doing it by putting us together like a flock or a building or a body, and then he is helping us. Of course, he's helping us by the Holy Spirit inside where we can't see, but where we can see and where we can hear, helping us by ministers, pastors, who preach and teach and set, set an example. And then we get these multiple um, metaphors about this to help us understand that we should uh, participate in that system wholeheartedly and Trust the Lord to bless it and have confidence that we can get through this life, uh, whatever happens, good or bad, because he is working, working to keep us by that simple arrangement. And we're looking at that together. And I was showing you, um, it's not that every Christian has always said this is the right interpretation of this, but it's, uh, it used to be a very widely held in, uh, standard interpretation that these four beasts are symbolizing 
those pastors or ministers of the word that the Lord has set uh, for his congregation so that here are the pastors and they start the worshiping holy, 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 and following their lead, the 24 representing all the saints join in and worship the Lord. Um, I put that to you uh, last time, and I'm then going to speak to you according to that interpretation, the beasts as pastors. I'll, I'll just um, tell you that there's no requirement from me that you have to agree with that interpretation of this symbolism. Nearly every good book about the book of Revelation, the author admits, I don't know how to be sure what the various things in the vision symbolize. And, and so, you know, I, you know, I've read, and it might say in your study Bible notes, it, it might not say the beasts represent pastors. It, it might be something else. That's fine. But the things that I'm going to ex exhort you with are going to be true from the scriptures, even if I'm missing what that symbolism really is. That's what I try to do whenever there's symbolism. I try to say, well, this is what the symbolism represents as far as I can tell. But even if I'm missing that, I'll still be telling you things that are true from the scriptures. And, and you'll see why. So since the relationship that the Lord has, has ordained, where he deals with us in love by giving us ministers or pastors to shepherd us, to build us, etc., um, and, and given us each other as a flock or a building or a body to be together. Since that has come up here in Revelation, I want to make a lot about that. Um, part of my motivation for this is that even here in just the few people that are with us, there are a lot of you young men and boys and um, and the pastors for the congregations in the future, of course, come from the young men and boys. Um, when I first trusted in Christ, I was seven years old, as far as I can tell. And it wasn't very much longer after that, that I was you know, looking at Brother Larry ministering up there in front of our congregation and thinking, that's what I uh, want to be doing when I grow up. Uh, and, and not every minute of my life after that did it look like that's what I was going to do. And there were times that I was acting so bad, it, it looked like I would self-destruct before I ever got there. But the Lord helped me all the time and never let me down, and kept guiding my steps until, you know, here I am ministering as, as I, you know, similar to what I was dreaming of when I was just a boy somewhere eight or nine years old. And, and then just in this small congregation, um, you know, I, I think it's now five boys that I have heard one way or another have had thoughts of maybe I'll be a pastor when I get older or or something even stronger than that. And 
And so I want to make a lot of what we've just come to here in Revelation, the four beasts, and the idea of the Lord Jesus describing pastors to us in terms of these four beasts. Now, I don't mean at all to exclude whatever men and boys never are going to be pastors. I don't mean to be excluding you as if this doesn't apply to you. And then all of you that are uh, wonderful uh, female types who, who will never be pastors in God's church by his ordaining. I don't mean to be excluding you at all. you all at all. Pastors and what the Bible says they are, who the Bible says they, they are, how they're supposed to function, how they relate with us as a congregation. This is, this is applicable to everybody, to everybody, whether you're ever a pastor or not, and whether you're um, you know, potentially a pastor or not, because if you're not a pastor, you're one that needs to know how to relate to your pastors, and, and maybe you'll be uh, married to one, or maybe you'll be one's mom or sister or brother. Or, uh, there's all kinds of uh, ways that we're connected to our pastors, even if it's not you yourself. Um, now, would, would you please notice with me that in chapter 4, when the beasts are first mentioned, um, the thing that's mentioned right before them is the Holy Spirit. At the end of verse 5, lamps, Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. We've been over this lots of times, but just to remind you, the Holy Spirit is really just one spirit, referring to him as seven, and then saying there are seven congregations, is the way to communicate that the Holy Spirit goes everywhere. The Holy Spirit goes to every congregation, and it's not like, Every congregation gets one little bit of the Holy Spirit. No, it's like however many congregations there are, that's how many Holy Spirits there are because every congregation can get his full attention because that's the nature of God. The Holy Spirit isn't, isn't limited, isn't measured, isn't divided into portions or pieces. Uh, you know how when a big family like all of us are from, when we... When we sit down to supper, you know, there's a casserole or whatever is, or a loaf of bread or whatever's in front of us, and then it's divided. And nobody gets the whole thing. You know, everybody gets a portion. Sometimes the portion might be kind of little, depending on how things are right then in your family. The Holy Spirit isn't like that. You know, it's a lot more like you sit down with your loaf of bread and everybody gets one. Everybody gets the whole loaf and as much as he can eat. That's how it is with the Holy Spirit and the saints and the congregations of the saints. So the Holy Spirit is described as seven, not because there's actually seven spirits. There's just one Holy Spirit, but so that it can be a communication of the total sufficiency of the Holy Spirit for however many congregations and saints there are. So seven lamps which are the seven spirits of God, and, and then there's the sea of glass and the four beasts. Um, I have come to think that that is um, a logical progression. 
Uh, here's the throne of God. Then here's these lamps, which is the Holy Spirit. And then, and then the sea of glass. And, and right there are the four beasts. And then over to chapter 5, when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, chapter 5, verse 6, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, having seven horns, horns in the Bible sim symbolism is always power or strength. Seven horns or would be then all power or strength. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So again, you see that the Holy Spirit is being represented as seven again. This time it's seven of something different, although kind of related. Eyes that see, and what are lamps for? To produce light so that you can see. Over in chapter 1, we had the Lord Jesus, and his eyes were like eyes of fire. Um, eyes that don't need a lamp, because they have their own lamp. So he can see everything and knows everything. So we've got the Holy Spirit as lamps or as eyes. When the Holy Spirit as the lamps is, then the very next thing is the four beasts. When the Holy Spirit is as eyes, well, what is it that the four beasts have front and back and underneath? Eyes. Lots of eyes. Okay, so there is, this, there is this connection between the Holy Spirit and the four beasts in that the Holy Spirit is eyes, is symbolized as, pictured as, eyes in the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Or the Holy Spirit is pictured as lamps before the throne of God the Father. In, the, in theology, the way we express this is that the Holy Spirit goes out from or proceeds forth from both the Father and the Son. Okay, and then, so there's this relationship between the Father and the Son and the beasts via by, by way of the Holy Spirit. Here's the lamb, but he's got these eyes. And then who else has the eyes? The beasts have the eyes. So there's this connection, God, Father, and Son, with the, with the four beasts via the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 20, if you please. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul is traveling, um, uh, kind of hurrying to get up to Jerusalem by the time of one of the annual feasts. And he had been at Ephesus, was real close to the, to the saints there in Ephesus, but he didn't have time, if he was going to get to Jerusalem by the, right, by the right date, he didn't have time to you know, pull into port there on the coast, travel up to Ephesus, see everybody, everybody wanted him to stay. And so what he did was his, his boat pulled in there, or ship pulled in there 
on the coast near Ephesus, and he sent word for, um, uh, would you see in verse 17, Acts 20, 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And now he talks about, he reminds them of how he ministered when he was there. Um, and then verse 28, Acts twenty twenty-eight. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Okay. Now, this is not... Um, so so the, he says to the elders, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers of the church to shepherd them like a flock. Now, I pointed you to the symbolism a minute ago from Revelation chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is pictured as eyes in the Lamb, and then the four beasts have all these eyes. Here we are told, the Holy Spirit has made these elders overseers for the church. Um, I think that is, in plain language, the same relationship that we're seeing in the symbol of the eyes. Um, now, I'd like you to learn or review three terms, three words that the apostle is using to talk about the congregation's pastors. In the verse we looked at at first, verse 17, the apostle called for the elders, for the elders. Elder, the Greek word presbyteros, presbyteros. And a simpler form of that word, presbus or something like that, means old and then that more complex form of the word presbyteros means older, like a compar comparative, um, like Mr. Van Eck and I, who are about the same age, we're a lot older than Reese, you know, older. But then in noun form, we are the elders, the elder. It means those who are older. Then it became used for those who are the ones in charge. Those are the, who are the rulers. Those who make up the ruling council. Because, you know, typically, the old, mature men would be the ones who were in positions of authority. You can notice that, for example, in um, the high levels of government, you know, our present governor um, is gray-headed, not black-headed. 
he wasn't elected governor when he was 18. Um, uh, the president uh, right now is 80-something years old. Um, president Trump was 70-something years old when he was president. The youngest presidents were 40-something years old. You know, it's typical for our president to be 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years old. Um, and, and so that's the idea that um, the rulers are called presbyteros, but then um, that the person is actually old is not an essential meaning of presbyteros. It can be used to just mean an older person, but it can also be used to, the, to mean the person who is the ruler or in charge regardless of age. Um, so it functions in that way. It's you know originally meaning those who are older, coming to mean those who rule, and then losing the idea of old um, in its essential function. It just means those who are in charge or those who rule. It's not a word distinctive to the church. There's a word in, in use in the Greek language and culture at the time. Presbyteros. That's the singular. Um, an, an elder. Now, then, then the apostle says um, in verse 28, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Overseers. Um, all the Bibles that I sampled all said overseers. Episcopos. Episcopos. Epi, meaning over. Scopos. We have scope in all kinds of English words, don't we? Microscope, telescope, scope. Um, scope is something through which you see or look, right? Episcopos, literally an overseer or supervisor. Supervisor overseer episcopos. Now, a strange thing happened to the word episcopos as it traveled from Athens to London. You know, it's a long way. And there are mountains. There's the English Channel, which is very stormy. You know what happens when foreigners try to cross the channel from Europe to England, right? Um, well, the poor word episcopos, as it made its way west from Athens to London, got badly damaged, okay? And became the English word bishop. Um, if you set them next to each other and look with a little imagination, you can see that bishop is just the Greek word episkopos, mangled, okay? Um, bishop is not a translation of that word. It's just the word itself mangled on its journey. So to say episkopos, overseer, supervisor, bishop, is all to say the same thing 
So the Apostle Paul says here that they are made by the Holy Spirit episkopos. So uh, the man that he's talking, it's a group of men, they're in the plural, often in the plural in the New Testament. But a man is an episkopos, pardon me, he is a presbyteros, an elder. He is then also described that the Holy Spirit has made him an episcopos. And then the apostle says what they're supposed to do. In verse 28, it says that the Holy, Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to do something. To feed the church of God, or your Bible might say to shepherd the church of God. The Greek verb poimaino, which means to shepherd or to pastor. To feed simply because the main thing that a shepherd is trying to do to his sheep is to feed them, keep them fed. The other things are incidental. They're important, but incidental. He's going to have to um, keep them from being eaten by wolves and lions and bears and stuff, and he's going to have to you know, lead them. But the main, the main idea is he's trying to keep them fed. So fed as the main activity of a shepherd, but the word really means to shepherd, not really simply to feed. In our language, we used to say to pastor when we're referring to what you do to sheep. But because that word got uh, co-opted into talking about elders in the church, then it got dropped from agricultural terminology. But really, historically, pastor and shepherd mean the same thing. So to shepherd, to pastor, the Greek poimaino, it says here to the elders that the Holy Spirit has made them overseers, to shepherd the flock, to pastor the flock. So three Greek terms. These men are, are presbyteros, elders. The Holy Spirit has made them episkopos, bishops, overseers, in order to shepherd, to pastor, poim, Greek verb poimaino. Three terms, all the same guy. Called for the elders and said to them, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to pastor. Same guys, three terms, getting at the idea. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you please. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, 
not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Okay, right at the beginning there, 1 Peter 5, 1. The elders, what Greek word? Presbyteros, the very same that Paul said. Who's writing here? Peter, not Paul. Peter uses the same word. To the elders, I exhort you who am also an elder, sum presbyteros, fellow elder, sum presbyteros. And what is verse 2? What is he supposed to do? Feed the flock. What Greek word do you suppose? The very same. Poimaino. To shepherd, to pastor, to feed in the sense that that's the main thing that shepherds need to do for sheep. But it's the word for to shepherd or to pastor. The flock of God which is among you, taking, what do you suppose? The Taking the oversight which is all one word, and it is the verb form of episkopos. Episcopeo, I think. Over, sight, oversee, it's the verb form. To oversee, to supervise. In Acts chapter 20, we had the noun form. Supervisor or overseer. Here we have the verb form. To, to supervise, to oversee, episcopeo. Now, we have some of these. So you see the very same three terms. And again, uh, the apostle is referring to the same guys, the same people, the same men. The elders, I exhort, shepherd the flock, taking the oversight. Uh, it's not at all, in either of these passages, it's not at all, somebody is a bishop, somebody else is a pastor, somebody else is an elder. It's not that at all. It's that here are people who are the elders, and they are the overseers, they are to oversee in order to shepherd, to pastor, to feed. In, this, in the two passages from the two different apostles, the same three things are used and the same three are applied to the same men, the same group of men. It's in the plural in both cases. We have the word um, presbyteros has passed into our language as presbyter, and you've probably heard it more often as presbyterian. Um, you know the back when back when in Western Europe the the state churches were organized in a hierarchical system. Um, then it was discovered in the course of the Reformation that really that is not biblical. But um, but that congregations being led. Um, by their elders. That's what you see in the scriptures. And so people like uh, John Knox 
uh, led in certain places a, a reformation that successfully instituted a Presbyterian form of church government. Uh, every congregation governed by its presbyters, elders, and then um, a presbytery, a group of congregations, their elders get together, their presbyters get together and form a presbytery that then governs all the, all the congregations. Um, so we hear, we hear the term Presbyterian, which is really a, a type of church government. And then there are Presbyterian churches, you know, today, and you might know some people who are Presbyterian. And so each one of those men is a presbyter. Their uh, multi-church organization is a presbytery. The whole thing is a Presbyterian system. So that's, how, that's why presbyteros rings a little familiar in your ears, the Greek word carried across. Um, e, um, episkopos rings a little familiar, especially when it's in that verb form, episkopoleo, because we know that there are episcopal churches. And um, episcopal is really a form of church, a form of government. Um, it's where it's a hierarchical form, um, where at the top, in some cases, there's the, there's the country's monarch, um, or if not, there is some sort of bishop or archbishop, and then there are uh, bishops below the archbishop, and then there are the common pastors below him, and and whatever. Now that's um, that's really not biblical. The Bible does not um, draw that kind of church government uh, for us. The idea that a bishop is somebody who is not just a pastor, but is somebody who's over lower pastors. That's not, you know, we we just read where the term bishop comes from. That's the Bible doesn't describe it like that at all. That's a, a, a church tradition that developed later, non-apostolic. And so we have the word Episcopal. There's an Episcopal church. There are people who are go to Episcopal church are Episcopalians. Their system is an Episcopal system. Um, something in their organization is an Episcopacy. Episcopacy, I think. Um, so these, those Greek terms have survived into the church organizations in our day. And if you're hearing them, if you're familiar with them, that's, that's what they are. And then, and then this word, poimaino, uh, to shepherd, to feed, to pastor, I don't think that crossed into English anyway. We almost always say a pastor or a man who he pastors that church, um, and then we use shepherd every once in a while. Somebody will say that, um, but typically we just we say pastor. Um, in the New Testament terminology where we just read, you notice that in both of those cases, pastor is used as a verb. These people are elders, and the Holy Spirit has given them the oversight to pastor. Pastor more as a verb than as a noun of office. Um, so there's those three terms, always used, used with the same body of men. Somebody who is one is necessarily all three, uh, if the system is strictly biblical. And, and that's what we have in this congregation. Um, 
we don't in this congregation say that somebody is an elder but not a bishop or pastor. We don't say that somebody's a bishop but he's not an elder, something different from elder or pastor. Um, that's in our 689 confession. Those terms are uh, clearly used to refer to the same people and and that's you know that's biblical and right and that's what that's what we do. Well, it seems to me that um, that because uh, it seems to me that that connection in the symbolism, both in uh, chapter four and chapter five, that connection in the symbolism, the throne, the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the one on the throne, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then the four beasts, and ex especially that extremely close connection of the Holy Spirit being represented as eyes, and then the four beasts being represented as being full of eyes. Um, I think that that is the same connection being expressed in Acts chapter 20. You who are the elders, the Holy Spirit has made you the overseers, the bishops, to pastor the, the flock. Um, so, so I'm, I'm seeing that as, as it, as it being very important, um, that we, the saints organize into congregations, that we understand that when we're going to receive this heavy duty, dire prophecy, that's coming in the rest of the book of Revelation. That's, it's important for us to have firmly in mind um, this relationship that the Lord has established. Um, that a, a, an essential part of getting through this life all in one piece, an essential part of prospering spiritually in this life, is to be able to have that in mind and, and to live accordingly. Um, you know how it says in Colossians chapter 3, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on, can somebody go on? Things above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not of, on things on the earth. So if we're told that we're to set, to set our minds, our hearts, our affections, we're to seek those things that are above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. Well, what is supposed to come to mind then? This vision given in Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is great for that. And a big part of what we are to be um, setting our minds on is that spiritual relationship that the Holy Spirit has um, established us with the other saints, 24 elders all together, and being led by the four beasts who know to start worshiping and lead us into worship, and we know to follow them. Um, now, I, I'm setting these things before you largely hoping that you 
young men and boys, that you, that you men and boys will grasp the, um, will grasp the godliness of this institution. Um, you have your own pastors to deal with, uh, Brother Kevin, Brother Jeff. Um, and we are flawed, you know, imperfect men, and we don't ever do anything perfectly, and we make mistakes, sometimes small, usually small, sometimes big. Um, it, it's a, you can't, by looking at us, grasp the lofty, wonderful glory of this institution that God has made. But when you look at this vision, you can, you can start to get some idea of the wonderful glory of it um, when these amazing beasts are being described. And, and for one, of, one of the things they have is all these eyes, and they are so close to the throne of God the Father and of Jesus Christ the Son, and they're taking this prominent place and they're leading all creation in worshiping the Lord. Realize this is this is something really important. This is something really good. This is something from the Lord. It's something uh, powerful and amazing. Uh, it seems to me that it could be much more. Uh, instructive and enlightening to you than, you know, look at me. Uh, I'm hoping that some of you men and boys will will get the idea, you know, if, if that's what God has set up, then, you know, I would want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. Uh, if my part is to be just among all the saints, following the four beasts and worshiping the Lord, well, fine, I'll gladly take off my crown and lay it at the Lord Jesus' feet and sing his praises following the uh, four beasts. But if the Lord would let me, if the Holy Spirit would give it to me, I would be very happy to serve, you know, being one of the four beasts, being one of the ones who takes the lead in, in directing the saints to worship the Lord. Hoping that some of you men and boys... Uh, would uh, catch the catch the beauty and glory of that, and it would be stirred up in you that maybe maybe the Lord helping you you could serve in that way. Would any of you brothers like to speak up and say anything along those lines, uh, something about what I've said or what we've read here together this evening? Okay, let's pray about this together.